Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I just want to I want to say before we get started this morning that um, I want to invite everybody to come out tonight. Six o'clock is our worship night. Uh, we used to call it Breakthrough. We may call it Breakthrough again. I still call it Breakthrough. I like that name. But anyway, uh, tonight's the night, 6 o'clock. You say, well, what do you do there? We set time aside purposely, deliberately for God to move. And so if you're here today and you say, man, I need God to move in my life. I need a healing. I need um, deliverance. I need a touch, I need a fresh, I just need rest, I need hope, I need stirring, whatever it might be, we want you to come out, 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock tonight, it usually goes from about 6 to maybe quarter after 7, 20 after 7 or so, it's not a real long night, so that you'll get out in time, but it is a powerful night, and lives are changed, so come on out, be a part of that, can you say amen? Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to the book of James, the book of James. Um, You could go ahead. There it is. Faith in action. Love that. I I made that. (laughs) So so when I make something, I always want you to see it. (laughs) You know, men are just like little boys. That's why when I do the dishes, I go, Kathy, come here, look because it's rare. <laughs> uh, James chapter, two, chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. I'm going to begin with the verse today. It says this, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he looks into the perfect law of liberty. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now when we talk about new life, and we have been talking a lot in the last few weeks about new life and all that comes with it, we must never forget that unless we fully embrace the responsibility of that new life, its benefits will never have any lasting effect in our lives. Now, this morning, what I want to do is I want to take a few moments of your time the time that we have together, and I want to challenge you. I want to um, maybe even incite you a little bit. I might even ruffle your feathers. But I could tell you that where this comes from is because I truly believe with all of my heart that this will help you. Okay? There's not a person in this room today that if we were to go around the room and poll the room and ask you, every one of us would say, I need God in a certain area of my life. 
I need him to move for me. Doesn't matter if it's an issue of healing or deliverance or somehow you need God to help you with your mind or your marriage or your job, your finances, or maybe your cat has hiccups. I don't know, but whatever it might be, I am sure there are people in this room today that need God to move. Well, I'm going to give you a surefire way of assuring that God will move in your life. One man said this, he says, God is always faithful to his promises, but he is not obligated to fulfill our potential. Now I want you to think about this, and the way we see this is through the children of Israel. Those that had received the promise that they would live in a land that flowed with milk and honey didn't receive it. They were given a promise. Amen. Children of Israel, they came out of Egypt. Moses delivered them. God spoke to them and said, I'm going to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey, and this is your promise. You are going to, you are going to inhabit a promised land. They did not receive it. It was their children who did. And you've got to ask the question, why? Well, the reason why is because of unbelief. See, every promise God gives as is an invitation to walk in active faith. Many times, because we fail to do what God has said, which in itself is a form of unbelief, we remove ourselves outside of the promise. See, the notion, if it's meant to be, it will be, is nonsense. In our relationship with our Heavenly Father, there is a responsibility to exercise active faith and to pursue what he has promised. How many know this morning that every word in the Bible is God's promise to us, whether it be instruction or correction or inspiration or revelation or simply information, it all carries supernatural power to transform our lives. Can you say amen? Now, in my experience, I have found one of the places where people, most people are hindered in their walk with God is with following through with what the word is telling them to do. Think of it this way. How many have ever gone to a doctor? Probably all of us at one time or another. We've gone to a doctor and we've asked him to help us and we've, he asked us to describe our symptoms to him. So, well, I have a scratchy throat, I'm coughing, my chest is congestion, runny nose, and he goes, well, I'll tell you what, you're sick. Thank you, I appreciate that. And so then what he does is he prescribes medication for us, doesn't he? We go to our local drugstore, whichever one you prefer, you get that prescription filled, and then on the bottle, there is a statement. And that statement is labeled very clearly, take as directed. (laughs) Now, how foolish would it be this morning that if we decided to do it our way, 
Yes, I got antibiotics, and yes, the directions say take four a day for 10 days, and I will be better. How foolish would it be if I decided, no, I'm going to take all four right now for today because I just don't have time to do it later. Or I decided I'm going to take one today, one tomorrow, because if 10 days is good, 40 days has got to be better. How foolish would it be for us then when we discovered the prescription did not work for us to go back to the doctor and said, look at doc, I paid you a lot of money to get this done, but I'm no better. Why not? And the doctor would say, well, I don't, did, you, did you take the antibiotics? Well, I took one a day for 40 days. No, no, you're supposed to take four a day for 10 days. <coughs> well, I know. I know that's your opinion, what I should do. And I, I know that's, that's what you think, but that just doesn't work for me. I don't understand it like that. I just got to be me. And the doc would look back at you and say, go be you sick. How foolish would it be to ignore James comes along and in chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only, deceiving yourself. How many understand that when we decide to do it our way, we deceive ourselves? There was a pastor that was teaching a Bible study one Sunday morning, and he was showing his students how to examine the promises and the commands in scripture and what to do with them. And as he ended the class, he thought he would review. And so he asked a few questions. And one of the questions is, what do you do with the commands? And a little old lady raised her hand and she says, I underlined them in blue. <laughs> well, underlining the Bible's commands in blue may make for a colorful Bible but the point of the word of God is that we would obey them. Can you say amen? amen? See, unfortunately, there are many people in churches who have their heads filled with knowledge from the Bible, but they don't obey what the commands say. Now, that may sound harsh, but surveys commonly show us that there is substantial, substantially no difference between many Christians and the population at large on most moral and social beliefs and behaviors. That ought not to be. I think James would be dumbfounded. Yeah. I think he'd roll over in his grave if he knew that. Although the people that he wrote to were different from the modern church, the message is just as relevant now then as it was then as it is now. He's saying to hear the word and not to do it leads to deception, but to hear the word and to do it leads to blessing. Are you hearing me? See, for us to expect blessing in our lives while we disobey his word is crazy. Now, let me tell you something. I, let, me, let me be clear because I, I want to make sure you hear what I'm saying. <clears throat> Please do not add to what I'm saying. Oftentimes, people walk away from a statement like that and they go, well, he just said I was crazy. I'm not saying you're crazy. He just said, I'm just a horrible wretch sinner. No, I didn't say that either. See, disobedience can show up in a lot of different ways. It can come 
just because we simply have set it aside. We, we've gotten distracted. We, we've, we, we, we've went, look, look, I know, I know there's a lot of things I need to do, but, but I, I just, I got busy right now, and I just can't get this done. And it ends up becoming disobedience, and we never intend it to be. But we end up not doing the word and only becoming a hearer. Scripture says that a doer of the word will be blessed in what he does. Now, once again, let me explain what I'm saying. I don't believe you're evil, lazy, no good for nothing people. I don't believe that at all. I believe you are great, wonderful, kind, gentle, generous people. Nor do I believe that God is in heaven being capricious. I don't believe God's moody or inconsistent. I don't believe he's petty or punitive. He's not looking for ways to withhold blessing from our lives. Honestly, it's just the opposite. He longs to pour out all that he has on us. He says in his word, fear not, little flock, for it's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And he tells us in 2 Peter 1.4, he says, he has given us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, you might be partakers of the divine nature. God has given us everything we need to be overwhelmingly successful. Are you hearing me? He longs to pour out all that he is and has on us. But like any good father, he warns us that there are definite and specific consequences to not following his word. He has given us everything for success, but he requires that you and I apply his truth. Listen to our text again, James 1.22. But be a doer of the word not a hearer only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does." That's powerful, church. It is the key to success. This is not some abstract uh, theology. This is the center of the gospel. This is a part of our identity. Can you say amen? Amen. I I really want to solidify this in your mind. I, I don't like always doing just tons of scripture because sometimes what happens is we could get so lost in the scripture that we kind of forget, but I need to establish this. Listen to these words. This is Jesus speaking. Luke chapter six, verse 46. He says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord? Now stop right there. That phrase, Lord, Lord, that indicates in the old style of Greek writing, it indicated intimate relationship. In other words, he says, why are you saying you have intimate relationship with me, but you don't do the things that I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he's like. He's like a man who builds a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the floods arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great." 
Jesus comes to his disciples. He's preaching, teaching. He says, look at, I want to show you how to be enduring. I want to show you how to last the test of time. I want to show you how to be a success. Do what I'm saying. Don't indicate to me that we have intimate relationship unless you're following what I'm saying. In Luke chapter 11, verse 28, he said, but he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Then in John 3, 13, 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. James 4, 17, therefore to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Now, in considering this text in James, our text, what James says about being doer, it's important to realize that James is addressing church-going people. He's not talking to pagans. He's talking to people who regularly hear the word of God. Now, no doubt they took some comfort in the fact that they had often heard the word of God. They even probably put a notch uh, on their belt that, that somehow they were above the pagans who never attended church. And being Jewish Christians, somehow they probably even took pride in their observance of certain rituals like they'd been baptized or they took communion or they attended church. They didn't steal, murder, or commit adultery. But James cuts through all of that veneer to the heart of the matter and he says obedience should always be the bottom line of our study of the word of God or when we preach, obedience should be the natural outcome. See, one man put it this way, correct application must always, built, must always be built on correct interpretation. And vice versa, correct interpretation can only be had when we have correct application. To study the word, to just fill your head with knowledge without applying the word, it short circuits God's purpose in giving it. Are you hearing me? Even in what seems to be irrelevant matters. Is there power in Matthew chapter 1, the beatitude, or, or I should say the, the, the begots? This guy begot that guy, and that guy begot this guy, and all on. Uh, yes, every word of the word of God is filled with power. Can you say amen? Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is inspired by, by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us what to do uh, or to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. Are you hearing that? And James uses the illustration of a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror and then he rushes out the door and he forgets what he saw. Think about it. Maybe he gets to the mirror, he wakes up late one morning, he gets to the mirror and maybe he has, it's a, it's a Monday morning and he's late for work and he wakes up and he has a couple days of stubble on his face. He slept wrong and so his hair, you ever seen people that, have you ever seen somebody that's like, you just got up? I mean, did you look in a mirror? You know, their hair is off to one side and it's kind of crumpled and, you know, and, and their face is red and they, you know, it's like, dude, I, I, you know, I told the first service, I love British politics. I really do. 
And so I often watch, just about uh, weekly, I watch prime, prime minister's questions. I think it's awesome that they question the prime minister. I think we should be able to question the president in open form. Anyway, that's my thought that we won't even go there. But I love the fact that they question him. And man, it gets raucous in there. And they, they get to calling each other names and back and forth. And, you know, they're always very polite because, you know, it's, you know, I say with all due respect, you're an idiot. You know, anyway, it's like, it's, it's always very respectful. But, but here's my point. Sometimes these guys, and it just amazes me because they always show all of the, 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 the uh, MPs, the ministers of parliament. And there's a couple guys in there. They're old. I mean, they're, they're, they've been around a while. Full gray hair, you know, old. They're, and their hair is just, it's like, dude, did you look in the mirror before you came to Parliament? You're going to be on TV. I mean, there are some of them, it's, you ought to check it out. Look at it today. This is your homework. Today you go, questions of the Prime Minister on YouTube, and you'll see what, it's great fun. Anyway. But I think about that, and I wonder how many of us are like that as Christians. We rush out quickly. We look into the mirror. We come to church, and we have a moment where we look into the mirror, and we see what really is there. God reveals to us the intents and the thoughts of our heart. And our loving Heavenly Father gives us graciously correction and inspiration. But because we fail to apply the word we rush out and we miss the power of it in our lives. Jesus speaking to his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. It shall be done for you. Now that word abide, it's not just a, we're not just talking about hanging out or hanging around. We're talking about being alive in. And we're talking about something that's vital and active. And he says, if you are vital and active in me, and my word is vital and active in you, you can ask whatever you want, and it'll be done for you. Amen. See, at a fundamental level in our Christianity, we need to recognize our need for his word to abide in us. But I think the concept of a word, the word abiding, dwelling in us is more often to us foreign. Many have come to believe that the word of God is really for preachers or teachers or theologians. But I'm telling you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. The word of God is for every people like you and I. The problem is, is we come up with accommodating theologies to justify our ignorance of the word. We say things like this. Isn't reading the word or reading the Bible on a regular basis, isn't that really just a, some form of religious duty? You know what my problem is, is I just don't get it. I, I, you know, I, I read and read and all it does is confuse me. Hey, listen, I go to church and I hear the word preached. Isn't that good enough? You know what the real problem is? I forget most of what I read, so I don't think that it's making that much difference anyway. I just don't have that much time. This is the reason the Word of God has become ineffective in so many lives. Literally, the, for the average Christian, the Word of God has been placed into neutral. 
No longer does it accomplish what it was sent to do, not because it's lost its power, but because for the majority of believers, it's become greatly neglected. Listen to me. Let me just stop. Let me go on a bunny trail just for a minute. Indulge me. Much of, I, I, I don't know if I said this this morning or I said it sometime recently. Much of my ministry has been about counseling. That I've been ordained. I'm going on 31 years ordination. And, and so in that time, much of that time, I've been a counselor. And I'm telling you, while the faces change, the problems do not. And I can tell you this, everyone has just about, in just about every situation, a fundamental problem, and that is they're not engaging the Word of God at the source of their problem. It's not that the Word has lost its power. It's because the Word has been neglected. We just have a hard time applying it, abiding. See, look, it's like, you know, when the Bible says, lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting, what does that mean? Lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. I'm not the guy that said it. God is. Why? Because there's something about surrender that is good for the soul. You know, it's an amazing thing when I see my grandkids. The other day, you know, Oliver, he's, he, Oliver's such a cool kid, man. He's, he's such a cool kid. And this actually happens both with Oliver and Titus. They're both kind of, they're both, we call them little sour patch kids because they can really be sour, but then they can be really, really sweet. And so the other day, Oliver was doing his thing in church. I, you know, he's running around and he, I was saying, come here, Oliver, I want to give you a hug. He didn't want to talk to me. He didn't want nothing to do with me. He's busy playing. But then all of a sudden, somebody came in that door, and he didn't know who they were, and it freaked him out. It scared him. Oliver come running towards me with his arms up like this. See, that's what happens. Lift up holy hands. It's like, God, I need you. I need you. That's what the Bible says, and there are, that's just a little thing in the Bible. There's so many things. The Bible talks about praise and worship. It tells us to give him glory, to lift our voice, and to acknowledge him. Why? Because he's worthy. But more than that, church, it will change you. It will transform you, and he knows it. See, I believe what's happened is we've grown indifferent to the word. We've just developed a leave it. Take it or leave it at it. It's not that we're hostile to the word. It's not. We believe it. We love it. We, we look at it and we go, oh, yeah, the Bible, the word of God. Beca but because of this lack of urgency for the word, we set it aside and it loses it, its power because we simply have put it on a list of lower priority. Amen. Are you hearing me? Billy Graham said these words, the greatest tragedy to befall a man or a nation is that of paying lip service to a Bible left unread or a way of life not followed. Amen. Are you hearing that? See, our casual, casual attitude towards the word is the reason that our Christianity is filled with so much unresolved difficulty. We need to return to the word of God and surrender to its power and its authority. We need to walk again in the light that the Bible provides. We need to stand on the promises that the word of God guarantees. We need to wield its strength against the enemy of our soul. And we need to enjoy the power it provides in our life. We need the word of God once again to find a place of priority in our everyday living. In Psalms 119, 11, 
David writes, he says, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word has the ability to insulate you from the temptation. It has the ability to keep you safe when the devil is trying to do his worst. In Jeremiah 15, 16, it says, your words were found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart for I am called by your name, the Lord God of hosts. In other words, he said, your word became my necessary food. I love it. It satisfies me. Let me tell you something. The word of God satisfies like nothing else on this planet planet. Are you hearing me? And then Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Why is he saying that? He's saying because the word of God produces a wisdom. You know what wisdom is? It really is the ability to take information and bring it into application. And that's what the word of God does. It connects information to application so that we can be all that God's called us to be. So what's the big deal? Well, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Listen to that verse of scripture. He, he's telling us this word is active. It's alive. It's moving. The word of God is not passive, it's aggressive. Can you say amen? It does what it's sent to do. Are you hearing me? And we must understand that Jesus and his word can never be separated because they are one. John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 14, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You cannot separate God and his Word. If we are committed to abide in him, and enjoy all that comes with that, then we must understand that we cannot dwell in him without his word dwelling in us. And when we talk about dwelling, we're not talking about taking up space. We're talking about active living. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. The reason it's so easy to forget this principle is because we've glossed over what the word is. See, the Bible is more than a collection of words on a page. The Bible is God-breathed. God, it's God's authority. It's his power. And his power is present in every word. It penetrates to the deepest parts of our life. And it separates truth from fantasy. And it will set you free. Can you say amen? amen. Listen, I want to take this a little bit further. The word of God is living and active. That means it's filled with power. The word of God is not static or stationary. It's alive and it's moving. It is not simply a good story or a historical book of rules. It is a living force filled with potential. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. There is an irresistible supernatural power in the word of God. God, and it will not return to him empty. God's word will accomplish all his desires and purposes. The word of God has heaven-backed power. Psalms 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And Matthew 4.4, 4, he says, It is written, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You say, what does that mean? Bread represents human endeavor. And you say, well, why is that? Because bread is something we make. We put the flour and the yeast and the water, the sugar, the salt together. We mix it. We knead the dough. We let it rest. We put it in a pan. We put it in an oven. And out comes the product of our effort. Jesus is saying man does not live by his effort alone, but by every word. And the word of God is God's ability. It is his power. It is his strength. It is his ingenuity. And it is what he has done in our lives. So how? How can that be shifted into neutral? The thing the word needs is it needs the soil of life in order to grow. When it does not get planted in the soil of your heart and ultimately the soil of your will to do something about it, it stays dormant. It's latent potential. It has potential. It's a seed that remains in a package. But until it is planted in your heart, in your will, that says, I am following through with this, it doesn't move. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. It is both a weapon and a scalpel. God's word, God describes his word as a sword that will protect us in battle. Ephesians 6, 16 and 17 says, Above all, take the shield of faith, which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It is the, with the word of God that we defend and protect. It is with the word of God that we hold our ground. It is through the word of God that we find grace, hope, and transformation. Listen, it is the word of God that will allow you to draw a line in the sand and say, no more devil, not today. No more devil, not today. John chapter 6, verse 63, he said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. His words are spirit and they are life. First Peter 1, 23 says, you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you catching a picture of how important this is? D.L. Moody said these words, the Bible wasn't given for our information, but it was given for our transformation. See, the word of God has an unability, or uh, the word of God has an uncanny ability to cut accurately like a surgeon's scalpel. The word of God will protect you in battle and it will remove from you that which is not you. Are you hearing me? The word of God penetrates, it purifies, it cleanses, it heals, it restores. John 15, 3 says, Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. The word cleanses. Psalms 107, 20 says, He sent his word, healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. Listen to me, the word of God is a big deal. Amen. The question is, and I'm bringing this down, I'm winding this down. The question is this morning, if the word of God is such a big deal, then how do I activate it in my life? How do I really become a doer of the word? Church, I cannot express to you, when I, when I put this down, let me, let me just say this. It is no secret that I struggle with a great many things. I, I've, I've been very clear and transparent about that. 
But you know what? One of the things I could tell you, I'm still standing. I could tell you this. There's been a lot. But you know what? I'm standing. And as I read this stuff, as I, was, as I came at this, I've read this scripture a thousand times if I've read it once, but as I came at it this time, God, God did something to it. Uh, maybe he did something to me. I, or I don't know. But listen, th- this is powerful. Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 20. My son, and you know what? I t- I'm taking this. I, I, I translated it this way. John, yeah, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto you when you find them. And they are health to all your flesh. Amen. Man, I'll tell you what, that, that, that wrecked me. That wrecked me. Because that right there, see, I'm, I'm, a guy, I'm a list guy. I like steps. I really do. I, I like, you know, do point one, do point two, do point three, and you're golden. And God knew it, and he gave that to me. I think he wrote that for me. That's why, in, you know, in my Bible it says John. It may, it may say my son in yours, but in mine it says John. So let's look at the first point here. Incline our ear to your word. In other words, we've got to get into it. See, the idea of inclining our ear carries with it the understanding that there must be obedience. In Deuteronomy 28.1, the very interesting portion of Scripture, we know this is the blessing chapter because God says, look, I'm going to do all this for you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you, but there's a condition in it. Okay? He says, and it shall come to pass... If you will hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe all to do, all, to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord, God, the Lord thy God will set you upon, high above all nations of the earth. That phrase, hearken diligently, it's an interesting phrase because it means to hear, to listen, to obey, to hear with attention, to listen with purpose. In other words, what it is, is hearken diligently means, and this is the picture, it's of a runner that is in the starting block that's listening for the report of the gun. So as soon as that gun goes, he takes off running. So in other words, he's listening so that he can do something. That's how, that's what God is saying. Incline your ear, listen with the purpose to obey. Listen with purpose. God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying you want me to do? Because I'm going to do that. Be ready to respond. It's the idea that we're going to do something about what we have heard. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's living it. Every part of it. Every part of it. If he says forgive, forgive. If he says love, love. I don't want to. I know most of the time I don't either. But I've learned that loving is far better than anything else I do. Forgiving is setting me free. Walking in his way is way better than my way. My way don't get it done. My way creates chaos. His way creates freedom. See, church, it's so easy to think we're doing it. 
when we're not. I remember years and years ago when Jason was just, I, I've told this story before, Jason was just a little guy. When my boys were little, they played hard. They tell me stories now, but they hung each other from trees. Well, actually, they, they hung Andy. I'm not sure if they hung Jason, but I knew they hung Andy. And then they left him. And he's just swinging and hanging. I, I, did mom come rescue you? 30 minutes later, so Andy's hanging from a tree for 30 minutes. And I, I don't know where we were. We, who knows? We were two blocks away, but they hung him. Not by the neck. Could have been. Don't tell me that story. I don't want to know. But they played hard. They, they, they played hard. And when they would come in from playing, they smelt like a combination of mud and sweat. So a little, and, and feet, yeah. Stinky feet. And I remember I, we told Jason one time, get in the bathtub. And he gets in the bathtub. And he was in there splashing around for 30 minutes. He gets out, and he still smelled like feet, mud, and sweat. And I said, did you wash? He goes, I was, took a bath. I said, did you use soap? He goes, there was soap in the water. He said, I took a bubble bath. I said, did you scrub? Did you apply the soap to your body? No. Get back in that bathtub. I went to church. They preached the word. <coughs> you still smell like sweat and mud and feet when you leave. Not really. You were, you, you're the most lovely smelling people ever. But what can happen is we can be convinced. We can convince ourselves, I'm doing the word. When in reality, all we are is hearing it. Is the word changing you? Is it altering your lifestyle? The second thing we see is that we're not to let the word depart from our eyes. This implies meditation. Now I want you to listen to God's instruction to Joshua. Talked about this just brief last week, but listen to this. Listen. Joshua 1.8, you know the story. Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua is now going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. He tells them, be strong and of good courage. But then he tells them this. He says in verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. He says, I want you to meditate. He says, the secret to your success is right in your hands. Meditate on my word day and night. Spend time, put that in you. Meditate on it, speak it, pray it, sing it, mutter it, meditate on it. I was telling you uh, last week about the, the, at the Wailing Wall, the Jewish people, will, they'll do this, they'll pray when they're, it's a form of prayer called davening. That's what it's called, it's called davening. And what they're doing is they're repeating. Now a lot of people go, well, you know, the Bible says with your many words, no, these aren't my words, they're his words. And what I'm doing is I'm speaking them out. And it says, then you will make your way prosperous. And I don't want you to get hung up here because I'm not talking about money. Let's not be so shallow as to think that this word is about me getting rich. 
although it could. But what this is talking about is on the inside. Would it be said of us that we were as rich as Bill Gates is on the outside, on the inside of us? That it would take a lifetime to give away all the goodness and kindness that he has put inside me because of his word. And then you will have good success. You want success in your marriage? Meditate on the word. You want your family prosperous? Meditate on the word. You want your job, your business, your home, your, your farm, whatever it might be, meditate on the word. And then the final thing he says, that we are to keep the word in the midst of our heart. In other words, church, we are to make it a priority. We are to make it a priority above else. God, your word is my necessary food. I want it more than anything on the planet. I think that's the challenge for us today, isn't it? Because with all of the things that we have in this generation, and I'm not against any of them. You know, we have iPads. I have one. I just preached out of it. We have iPhones. I don't have it on me, but it's in there. I have an iMac. I have an iCar. I have and they're all linked, and it's all to make my life easier. And, you know, and the, and the reality is we have the world. If, if you don't want to go to Ireland, you can look up Ireland on this, and you could go there. You could go on Google Earth and hit Street View, and you can actually see it. Yeah. And so we have all of this at the fingertips, and we have all these distractions, and we can watch 4K movies right here and on our phone, and... All the different things. And so it really takes an act of our will now that says, you know what, God, I'm going to prioritize your word. Amen. <clears throat> that your word is important to me. Amen. <clears throat> In church, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that if you were to take this, this today and you'd say, you know what, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to make a commitment to you to every day prioritize your word. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to keep it in my ears. In other words, I, I, you know what? I'm going to receive this word. I'm going to make sure that I receive it. I'm going to listen with the purpose of obeying it. And then, God, I'm going to keep it in front of my eyes. I have on my wall in my office, there's about seven scriptures that are right above my computer, and they sit there, and I look at them all, all the time. One of them is out of the book of Psalms. It says, except the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. So why do you have that there? Is because every day I need to look at it and remind myself, it is not me that's building this place. It's the Lord. Except the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. There's another verse, Isaiah 41.10, that's on that wall, and it says this. It says, it says, I will never leave you or forsake you, and with my righteous right hand I will hold you up. And you know that I have to see that because there's times when I'm down, and I need that. I need that in me. I need, to, I need to keep that in front of me. <laughs> There's a whole story. Jacob was being, the swindler was being swindled by his father-in-law. Remember the story? He wanted Rachel, and he got Leah. Then Laban came and says, I'll tell you what. He says, you work for me for another seven years, and I'll give you, I'll give you Rachel. 
So he does, and he's trying to, you know, build a future for his family. And so Laban says, well, you can have all the spotted goats and sheep and the ones that got these little color marks on them. So Jacob, knowing the principle of what's in front of your eyes, will change your life. He goes where the, where the, the lambs and the, the, the sheep and the goats fed and ate. And he would put, he put sticks up that had spots and stripes on them. So when they're eating, they can look at it. True story. True story. And then all of a sudden, the lambs and goats, they started having all these sheep with spots and wrinkles in them, I guess. And they were all his. Laban scratching his head. It was a miracle of God. Because, see, God, God designed us. He, there's, there's something about that. That what you put in front of you, it's going to change you. <clears throat> And there's a lot of things in this life that we put in front of our eyes. And he says, put my word in front of them. And then he says, you know, keep it in your heart. Make sure you put that a shrine in your heart. Make sure that you lift that up, that you make that a priority. It'll change you. That's how you become a doer of the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your glory. We thank you, Jesus, that you are helping us. And Father, I do pray, God, that you help you help me, help us, help this church, God, that we would have ears to hear. Lord, that we would not just hear for information, but that we would be purposeful, that we could run when we hear your voice. Lord, that we would do exactly what you've commanded us to do. Father, help us to meditate on your word keep it in front of our eyes and Lord that we would keep your word enshrined in our heart that it would be a priority Father we're careful to give you all the glory and all the honor we love you Jesus and we praise you in Jesus name Amen why don't you stand to your feet all across this place today our ministry team is coming if you have a need of any kind come on up let them pray for you remember now Tonight, 6 p.m. is our ministry night, our, our worship night breakthrough. Come on out, be a part of that. Make Set a point to come out tonight and let God touch your life. God bless you. You're free to go. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.